4: what's foreign my policy i don't know i don't know guys i don't know (laughs) i i got like trapped into this like pattern of doing introductions a certain way and i don't Mm -hmm. really i don't like feel good about it but how do you how does one break their patterns speaking of patterns let's talk about
5: syria Beautiful.
6: That was awesome. Yeah,
5: <laughs> I you. understood yeah, exactly what that meant. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like one of the basketball guys when someone lays him up and then he just does a dunk. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah. That's what I feel like. Yeah, Don't know enough about Green green, green, I, green Bay Packers swish. Mm-hmm. Yep, mm-hmm. go Tom Brady. Okay. Uh, <laughs> okay, sports Sports talk aside, I'm wearing my Rwanda football shirt today. Uh, <laughs> we We're gathered here today Um, to talk about uh, Turkish drone strikes on the SDF. Yeah. yeah.
6: Not funny, not funny. Yeah, the SDF, yeah,
5: we're talking about,
4: like, Turkish, the continued Turkish military operations across their border in um, northeast Syria, the area commonly known as Rojava, and Mm -hmm. uh, also in southern Turkey as well. Yeah. Yeah.
5: Yeah. So, uh, just to give some some numbers around this, to start off, right in year of twenty twenty two, which there wasn't a territorial offensive, um, so like you're not seeing like uh, troops on the ground. Uh, Turkey carried out one hundred and thirty drone strikes in the autonomous administration of northeast Syria. Yeah, that's a, the place that is more commonly known as Rojava, and um, the they killed at least eight YPJ members um sort of YPJ would be the women's protection forces who are a unit within the Syrian democratic forces, which is the armed forces of the AANES autonomous area of Northeast Syria. Syria. Um, I will yeah. come at you really hard with acronyms in this. I think if people haven't listened to Robert's series, women's war, maybe the women's war, uh, that would be a good place to start because like we only have half an hour or 45 minutes or whatever. And we can't, explain an extremely complicated conflict, which has been going on for 12 years in that time. So I think some grounding in who is who and what is what, you you can find it there, I guess. Um, But is that a fair summary of who those people are, Robert? Yeah, basically. So you had kind of the,
4: the gist of the story is that for a very long time, starting in southern Turkey, there's been a... Kurdish militant group called the PKK. They were way back in the day, originally Maoist. Um, they had a bunch of internal power struggles within their own organization um, and then wound up taking a pretty uh, uh, wide turn away from Maoism towards um, a, a kind of political theory heavily influenced by the work of an American anarchist thinker named Murray Bookchin. Um, this was largely due to the fact that the their leader, a guy named Abdullah Ajalan, uh, got while he was in Turkish prison, kind of pilled on a lot of uh, uh, these this kind of like uh, fringe American libertarian-ish sort of um uh, political yeah, philosophy, ecology. yeah, with 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 this basically the 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 gist of it is this this kind of the, the this kind of synthetic this kind of synthesis of a lot of Bookchin's ideas with some of the stuff that um Ajlod had been had been thinking about for years, kind of culminated in uh, a political philosophy called libertarian municipalism, um, which is more or less the, the governing philosophy that these different armed militant uh, organizations kind of clustered around the PKK in Northeast Syria, because the PKK for years were just kind of like cross the border in the Northeast Syria when they were fighting with the Turks and they had to get away. Um, and they had a bunch of inroads with local Kurdish organizations in northeast Syria. And when the Assad regime pulled out of the area in the early stages of the Syrian civil war, um, a lot of these groups that were affiliated with the PKK were kind of the best organized uh, organizations in the area. And so they took over a lot of civil administration um, and basing a lot of their their plans and you know functional activities uh, around these ideas that Ajalon had been – you know writing about for years and years um and so you kind of have this mix of all these armed organizations that are to some extent descended from the PKK um but are now much broader than just sort of a Kurdish liberatory organization these are the folks who who fought and defeated ISIS in northeast Syria um yeah that's i don't know I, there's there's so much to get into but i guess that's kind of the the broad strokes and all of these different, because there's a bunch of different militias. You know, there's, there's militias yep. that are kind of more traditionalist, uh, Arab militias. There's, there's Armenian militias in the area. There's obviously these Kurdish militias, the YPG and the YPJ, primarily Kurdish militias, and the, but they all fight under the banner of the SDF. Um, and to the Turks, they're all the PKK.
6: Yes. I'm glad you mentioned all the different militias and stuff because it gets really confusing like even i mean i'm syrian and i'm just like i cannot keep up uh i talked to my parents about it too and they're just like that's it's 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 complicated so i think you did a good job breaking that down i also want to mention they were the only people fighting isis in syria yeah so i think it's pretty notable to, to mention. yeah
5: yeah I got a list of the founding groups of the SDF. So this happens in 2015, right? Um, sort of uh, mm-hmm. earlier in, in the fight against ISIS. Um, and some of these groups are descended, like Shireen said, not, not from the YPJ or the YPG. And, and Robert said this too, that they come from the FSA, the Free Syrian Army. Like there's specifically the FSA around the Kobani area, contributed elements. There's the Syriac Military Council. So that's a distinct ethnic group. Um, there is the uh, Jayash or al thwar if i said that right
6: uh no but i can say <laughs> it if you want
5: <laughs> <laughs> please do magical <laughs> thank you
6: uh J-ish at the war. means army or like uh yeah, yeah army yeah Jeish.
5: yeah it's 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 uh, annoying because so in
6: english it's spelled Jayish, but it's just Jeish. So, yeah
5: uh-huh. yeah the revolutionary army army of revolutionaries i guess more accurately who are a mi- another mixed ethnicity group? They, they, like Robert said, include Turkmen, Armenians, um, all kinds of different ethnic groups. So, like at this point, the the entity that is the SDF is a majority Arab entity. It, it's not uh, like an mm-hmm. ethnic Kurdish thing, and 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 the autonomous administration is not like a Kurdish ethno state, um, which I think is something that people can sometimes either confuse or, or conflate. But like that, that's not the case, right? That that's not what this sort of democratic federalism is about, nor is it what's represented in in terms of the composition of the, of the people there, so people doing the fighting, right? So um, sometimes these groups will be referred to on masse as like quote unquote the Kurds. You should, by how kind of messy my explanation
4: was. It is hard to walk people through this. Folks' eyes tend mm-hmm. to glaze over, for one thing, when you mention a certain number of acronyms. Um, but this leads <laughs> to a situation yeah. whereby the U.S. news is just like the Kurds defeated ISIS in northeast Syria. Right. It was yes. Like, no. no, there was there were a whole lot of other people who did a lot of dying yeah. uh, to to, yeah. to win yeah, and that some Kurds battle who went involved. And some yeah. Kurds who were not involved. Mm-hmm. Um, There's so, also just so yeah. much
6: infighting. I think that it gets. I don't know. It's it's a lot. It's a lot. It, it
4: is. It is a lot. Like saying yeah. the Americans defeated the Nazis, and it's like, well, there oh, were yeah. some other people involved <laughs> he saved in that the fight. World. <laughs> yeah.
5: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. I've seen some films, Robert. Let me tell you. Um, <laughs> but yes, I think I think Robert is right. Like. It collapses two things, right? Like the heterogeneity of of Kurdish people, right? Different Kurdish areas, different Kurdish movements Mm -hmm. and and the heterogeneity of the SDF. So, yeah. Yeah. Mainstream use sometimes. Yeah. Cause is shocking.
4: it is uh, also worth noting, like Kurds are not certainly not a, like um a, a monolithic group for I examining Northeast Syria is like flatlands, lowlands. And there's a big difference between the mountain Kurds and the Kurds who live in these like lowlands and traditionally even like a lot of like bad blood and stuff between different groups, because you know, that's just the way human beings are like, yeah. For, <laughs>
5: yeah. Um, for yeah. Like, yeah. It, 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 um, it's really easy, I think, for when we're consuming news, especially news about the part of the world that the uh, the populace here hasn't been spectacularly well informed on, to break things down into easy groups, right? Like, mm-hmm. you'll see a lot as well, like Sunni and Shias, like the the two categories that right. can exist within, uh, like, and then people get very confused when there are categories within that, when when there are, where when there are Sunni groups fighting each other, um, mm-hmm. it, yeah, and the same with like. Kurds or Turkmen or whatever, like none of these groups are homogenous. And and sometimes, yeah, if you're, I get it, if you're doing a five minute piece for TV, that's what you do. But here we are, not doing a five minute piece for TV. Um, So, yeah, this is, this has not been like Kurdish History 101. Please read some more books about that. I'll put some in the uh, sources. Uh, But what I want to talk about today is some of these Bayraktar attacks on specifically YPJ, right? So the YPJ would be the Women's Defense Forces. So that's a women's militia within the SDF um, that, as as Robert said, is based heavily, I guess, on the outlook of uh, Abdullah Ossalan, uh, who's sometimes called Apo. Uh, So we might use that for brevity here. So in one attack in April 2022, three YPJ fighters were killed. Dilah Haleb, who had participated in the resistance of the Sheikh Massoud district of Aleppo in 2012, she became a leading YPJ commander and participated in the fight against ISIS, playing a leading role in the liberation of the city of Mimbik. Rouhani Kabani. It's worth noting, I guess. Sorry, I stop every fifteen seconds to explain context. That you'll hear sometimes place names in people's names. That's because they're like nom de guerre, rather than that this is not their like legal name necessarily. But it's it's uh, it's standard practice for these people to take like a movement name or a nom de guerre. Um, much like Robert and I explained in the episodes on Myanmar, uh, it's, it's, yeah. it's, a lot of people do this a lot of places. Um, is that fair, Robert? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's um.
4: Um a lot of like oftentimes people just like take a name based on their city that they came from, yeah. like Kobani or whatever. Um, but yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty much the norm that most people most most fighters will introduce themselves by some sort of nom de guerre.
5: Yeah. Um even some of the I know people who are like British or American who have been over there, who yeah. are over there, and they also have these uh nom Yeah. De and there's a there's a lot in
4: that. One thing you have to keep in mind is that like a lot of these people who are revolutionaries who consider themselves revolutionaries have family in regime controlled parts of town or or mm-hmm. parts of Syria or in, um, you know, in Idlib, which is largely controlled by these like more Turkish backed uh, uh, Islamist groups. And so part mm-hmm. of why you do this is like, I don't want my family like getting caught up in in this shit, like yeah. if they live somewhere else, like I don't want to like bring that down on them. It's just safer.
5: Yeah, just yeah. like when we did our Myanmar yeah. episodes, right? We had Meowk and Andy and Sarah. Um, another woman, as I said, Rahani Kabani joined the YPGA in 2014. She fought against ISIS. She was wounded. She participated after recovering in the in the liberation of Raqqa, and she was the co chair of the defense committee in Kabani. Um, and then there was a youngest, the youngest woman. Uh, she just joined, I guess, or had joined at a young age, and she was called Kabani um and she uh like she joined after the fight against Isis she she was very young there are pictures I'll include a report it's very sad to see someone yeah. like, so young they
6: looked they look um, like uh, there's a couple of them that look like babies like it's it's really devastating because it's i don't know uh, their lives are taken from them and they joined to uh, it's 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 empowering and then it's devastating because it's just like they fought so hard and then they they were assassinated. Literally, they were murdered.
5: Yeah, it, it's when especially when you consider that so many of these like uh, the women who fought against ISIS, right? Like, uh, and, and I think we could all probably understand why women would, would want to do that, Um, like wanted to create a place where young girls could grow up and be who they wanted to be and and do what they wanted to do and, and uh, like not have to obviously like that it's extremely violent misogynist organization like isis but also like not necessarily have to fight either and you know can could be self-realized in whatever way they wanted to and so to see these people having achieved their goal largely of, of i guess isis still exists right now ISIS still continues to kill people it killed 10 people yesterday um but that's the 8th of august because you won't hear this uh today but um to see these people who have like successfully at least liberated the territory and then their young women are still dying. Uh, yeah. But not fighting ISIS, uh, but fighting Turkey. I can go on and give like, there are dozens of examples of this report. Um, another one I'll just give in July 2022. Uh, there was a YPJ commander called Roj Kabur and a fighter called Barin Bhutan. Um So uh, one of them had been, and then another one called uh, another YPJ commander called Jian Tolhidan, Tolhidan. Um, so these two women had been involved in the fight against ISIS like from the beginning, having uh, like, liberated cities, liberated territory, and then they were with this young woman who was 19 years old uh, and had relatively recently joined the YPJ, right, and was, was killed by a drone strike it's like, it's particularly galling, I think for me, at least to, so that like the YPJ information office is, is someone I, I communicate with, like for work stuff. And, um, it's particularly galling to like, wake up, right. And see that on your phone. Uh, it's like to get a message and look at a report, see a picture of a car, like blown to pieces at the same time as like the Bayraktar is a drone that, uh, Turkey has sold to Ukraine in large numbers. Right. Which has been hugely effective in destroying Russian armor. And like, it's kind earlier become, on, at least, was it's it's it yes, seems to not fair. really work. I mean, a lot of stuff has changed,
4: obviously. Like, new technology is extremely effective early on before there's countermeasures. Anyway, whatever, we don't need to get nerdy about this.
5: Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's it certainly like in the first months of the war, yeah. uh, like the war in Ukraine became like a meme. Uh, you could you yes. can buy a stuffed by on Etsy or eBay, like, like a soft toy, uh, like a teddy bear. Um, there are songs about That's so it uh,
6: that is so disturbing that is so It's not it's not
5: great. Yeah, it was and it was one of those things where like obviously
4: I was happy to see effective tools being used by the Ukrainians to like defend their home. Yes, of course. But uh I'm not ever going to get up and stand the uh the Turkish Defense industry, or yeah, defense like yes, yeah. industry. For the and for the record, I feel the same way about like the people standing, standing. You know, different U.S. defense contractors making stuff <laughs> like you know long-range missile systems. Like, no, nah, I'm not. I'm not really a fan of that. Like, I get it sometimes. You know, when you're being invaded, you use the tools available. But I that doesn't mean
5: we need to celebrate that. Yeah, exactly. I think the tools are largely kind of agnostic. Um, any anyone who's sort of is is making things to kill people purely for profit, it's not necessarily a good a good thing to do with your life, I guess. Uh, and like, I, I th- it's just troubling to me to see people like cheering this on without like. It, it highlights one like the way that people engage with conflict, um, especially yes. online, especially in the US, which fandom. Is, yeah, it's, like, it's not a computer game. It, it's someone's nineteen-year-old fucking daughter. It's someone's mum or sister yeah. or brother or uncle or dad or non-binary relative. I mean, um, the fact
6: that you can buy like a stuffed fucking mm. weapon, like little drone thing on eBay, it's it's, it's just so disturbing. Yep. I'm, I I I really just don't like humans when I think about that.
4: Yeah, I understand why it happens this way, and I understand why if your country is being invaded and you can get more support from the international community by leaning into this shit. You lean into this shit. But I don't like the idea of like some, I don't know, fucking uh, accountant in Iowa uh, watching hundreds of videos of like Russian soldiers being killed and then like getting a fucking Lockheed Martin tattoo.
1: Um,
4: Like the, like (laughs) the, the, like, like turning, turning uh, your support for people you know, in a deadly military conflict into like fandom, treating it the way you treat like mm-hmm. a Marvel movie or whatever, I, f- I find not great.
5: Yeah, it's just not like, um, I understand why. Like, I wouldn't blame anyone in Ukraine for being super excited about having doors because yeah. it stops people burning their homes and, and killing their children. Yeah. And, like, fair. I would want that too. No,
4: just but, like yeah, went- if you're, if you're, uh, like, I have a friend who I went to. Like, we we were in fucking Avdivka together, like, sheltering with people from Russian shells and stuff, who then went on to join the Ukrainian military and has been fighting since the expanded invasion. If he wants to share videos or watch videos of, like, you know, dead Russian soldiers from Telegram, like, that's war. It's unpleasant, but I, I get it. Like, again, if you're some dude in fucking Wisconsin doing the same thing, I, I find that pretty unsettling. Like, because yeah, you don't need to.
5: Yeah. No, you don't need to. You don't need to dehumanize those people so you can kill them because you're not killing them. Yeah. Uh, but you you seem to have engaged in that same dehumanization, which is necessary for people fighting uh, uh, because, I don't know, yeah. maybe you think you're helping. It's hard to, to shoot fight, people right? otherwise. <laughs> like,
4: yeah, yes, sometimes yeah, you yeah, have yeah, there's to a
5: shoot reason. people. It's that's war. It's hard yeah. to fucking bayonet yeah. people, right? There's a reason that bayonet training is yeah. is one of these things that's particularly just kind of it has to be violent you you have to be horrible you know like it's there's no nice way to stab someone um but the yeah it doesn't mean that you need to tweet about it um Mm -hmm. especially folks Mm -hmm. who maybe aren't perhaps is on the ground familiar as what this looks like so um I wanted to maybe get into a little bit and there are as I said dozens of these drone attacks they really ramped up in early 2023 along with like a kind of a larger air offensive right they continue to happen uh like almost weekly um if people want to I guess keep tabs. YPJ Info is the the YPJ's kind of public facing uh, press website. Uh, Roger Information Centre is a good English language resource. Um, both of those you can find on uh, X. Uh, or if you oh, if, if you want to look somewhere else <laughs> you can also search for them. Uh is that what and we go say that on their website. We just say X. No, no, no we, we only sure say say yeah. okay, yeah. um, no, 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 a no, Okay, no, Thanks. Yeah. X uh, is no,
4: not yeah. in fact gonna give it to us. <laughs>
6: <laughs> Only like a <laughs> certain generation website. will understand that yeah. way that I like that.
5: Yeah, there's a narrow overlap there, buddy. Yeah. Uh, you shut the gap though. Yeah, yeah. You know what is gonna give it? And by it I mean uh the money that pays our wages uh, to us. No.
6: What is it, James?
5: It is this combination of products and services. I, uh, oh man, I love a good product mm-hmm, Me too I don't love
4: services actually I'm very anti-service But you know, we'll see
5: mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll see it might, it might change your opinion It might be something amazing Unlikely pro- Probably gold But yeah, let's hear from the advertisers
1: So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals on Ravs, Highlanders, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. All right, we're back.
5: Uh, We hope you enjoyed those adverts as much as we did. Uh, So I want to talk about, in the second half of the episode, why uh, Turkey is using these drones to bomb people who uh like we said have fought and largely defeated the territorial caliphate uh, of isis Um i did want to bring up one more drone incident actually which is particularly bad so one of the things that you'll often see the sdf and specifically the ypg and the ypj kind of accused of is is having child soldiers or having recruiting people who are under uh, age yeah. to fight um Part of a program they've implemented to stop this with a uh, consultation with the United Nations is building education centers, right? I'm not going to comment morally on who should be fighting at what age because I think it's yeah. not a judgment for us to make when like, we I didn't have it, ISIS in the fucking streets. Yeah, I...
4: Yeah. I, I, I Look, I think there's a degree to which people are being unreasonable about this. I met a number of yes. 17-year-olds. Yeah. It's generally when people talk about child soldiers, they are talking about 17-year-olds. I have friends yes. who joined They're the US 12. Army when they were 17 years old. Like I have yeah. friends who were learning how to drive a tank for the US military at age 17. Um and quite frankly, if you look at where like wars in history 16 to 20 years old. That's most of the people who have fought most of the wars in most of history. That's like the way that it is. Uh, That's not pleasant. But like when we are talking, like I certainly I would be very supportive of laws put in place in our country to raise the age at which people can join the military so that they are not young and not getting taken advantage of to as much of a degree. But we are not fighting in any conflicts for our survival.
6: Yeah, I think people that point the finger and like talk about child soldiers, whatever the shit, and they're and they are referencing like yeah. basic teens, they, they have the privilege of doing that. They don't have to even think about protecting themselves or their family or whatever. Yeah. I think when you are raised and in like a situation of violence, like Palestine's a great example of that. You see like boys like trying to defend yeah. their, their country. It's like the same situation where. There's you don't have the privilege of waiting until you're fucking 21 or whatever. It's just like you have to you have to like protect yourself.
4: Yeah, it's not the it's not a situation you are not being it's not like. Again, it's not like it is often when we talk about child soldiers like in the Liberian Civil War, right, where you've got kids being pulled in, you know, for the advantage of some warlord. Nor is it like in the United States where you have 17 and 18-year-olds being recruited in a predatory way often by military recruiters um, and sent overseas in conflicts that are not necessary. We are talking about like ISIS is five blocks away and – like, God knows what they'll do to my mom and my sister yeah, if they exactly. take over. Like, I'm going to pick up a fucking gun, you know?
5: Mm-hmm.
4: What else? Yeah. What else are you going to do? That's the, that's the world. Like, they're living in a different uh, set of realities than we are.
6: Yeah. And anyone that places judgment on that is just ignorant and uh, <sighs> not understanding yeah, of the reality of the world. They're just like in their little bubble.
5: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So on August the 18th, 2022, a Turkish drone targeted one of these UN affiliated education. Centers, right? Uh, it was two kilometers from the US coalition base and uh, it targeted a group of teenage girls playing volleyball. Um, it's very hard to see these education centers as like in an anywhere military target, right? They're literally designed to divert young people from becoming fighters um, and to, you know, the up with the consultation, United Nations, with the you know, like with as much oversight as one can expect in an area which is sort of in the middle of a civil war. And to to be drone striking schools is is pretty callous. Mm-hmm. Um, it's also worth noting that like, a phrase that constantly gets thrown around a lot in discussion about the Middle East, right? It's the only democracy in the Middle East. Um right. And it, 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 let me tell you, <laughs> it's not normally referring to this part of the world. Uh, it, it's referring to Israel. Um, and yeah. A, I I don't think that's true. Israel, it. I mean, it's factually an incorrect. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It does, but, it, does it. What fucking def- well? Democracy is an extremely nebulous concept, right? right, right but, yeah, but, sure. So like, this is this is an area where people's votes have a substantive impact on how their lives are lived. Certainly more so than people who are Arabs in Israel. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, are Arabs in Israel, so,
4: Kurds in southern Turkey, Syrians yes. in Syria. Like, yeah, yep. Kurds in, in Syria, in, yeah. yeah.
5: Yeah. Yes, exactly. Um people in parts of Iran, like fucking Iraqi, the, like
4: uh, people in northern or in yes. under in the Baghdad government controlled chunks of Iraq for that matter.
5: Yes, yeah, like all over, right? Like um okay. so this isn't just an attack on like individual women, it's an attack on a state which is genuinely at least attempting to establish a new form of democracy, right? Like a a more participatory, more horizontally organized democracy. Uh, It's an attack on a state in the Middle East, which is like anti-patriarchal, which which is something that we don't have here in the United States, right? Like it's it's like we've, we have still failed to have a woman be president. Uh, Like it's, it's an attack on these things which most decent human beings should be able to get behind. Uh, These attacks also don't just affect the people who are killed, right? They continue to displace families, they contribute to fuel shortages, they create power cuts, they suspend schools, they stop aid organisations working in the area because it's too high risk or they perceive it to be too high risk. Um, And they stop the SDF continuing their operations against ISIS, right? Like um, ISIS, as I said, continue to exist, they have sleeper cells, uh, there was an attempted prison break last year. Two of the women from the YPJ, who had fought to stop those ISIS prisoners breaking out of their prison, were later killed in the drone strike. Uh, it, it's very hard to see this as not helping that, uh, like that ISIS insurgency that they're fighting and hindering their operations. Uh, and I'm not just saying this based on sources that are, um, like the Roger Information Center or people in the aanes but this is this is the policy of the united states right um before we started this i looked up some of the inspector general's reports from operation inherent resolve which is the united states operation to lead a coalition which includes the sdf against isis and they were talking about how the sdf's operations are hindered because they keep getting shot by drones right um and that there's not much that they can do about it right uh unlike like ukraine we're not sending ton of uh surface to air missiles or like uh, things that you could use to to defend yourself against drones right um not that it's very easy to defend yourself against a drone uh so why is turkey doing this i think firstly because as robert said it, it sees sdf and the pkk is the same thing right and um, so the pkk uh Mostly operates, like Robert said, in the mountains of southeastern Turkey, and it's been fighting this asymmetrical war against the Turkish state since 1984. Um, so Erdogan uh, so Erdogan is the president of Turkey, right? He entered office in 2003, and he's sort of pivoted on Turkish issues, on uh, um, Kurdish issues. Sorry, he uh, continues to, to be Turkish. Um, but he was initially in favor of like a negotiated peace with the PKK and his early years included like proposals for linguistic autonomy, the right to a Kurdish press, and uh, even like the return of Kurdish place names, which is a big deal still. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. Like, um you'll see like Kamishlo uh, or Al-Kamishli, uh, like one being Arab, but the latter being Arabic, the, the former being Kurdish. Right.
6: Yeah. I, w- I mean, it's just, a, it's a huge deal because you're not just killing like people, you're killing a, A culture that's like in like it's not what's the like a different word to say extinct like it's in danger of like not being there if it's not for the people protecting it right and i think it's uh like a classic tactic to stop people from using their language or customs or whatever to just like try to erase them and like make them turk or whatever they want them to be and so the proposal of that i think is significant but then obviously the follow-through is a different story
5: yeah, the follow-through is not there, right? Yeah. So after 2015, he's really pivoted and he's pursued like a really violent anti-Kurdish policy. And it's worth noting, as you said, that for much of the 20th century, the Turkish state denied the existence of Kurdish people altogether. They called them Mountain Turks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even in March 2021, the Turkish Ministry of Education released a book in the Kurdish minority. It's a province called Diyarbakir. Diyarbakir? Uh, I guess it's it's Turkish, uh, which it doesn't mention Kurds. It's a Kurdish majority province. It doesn't mention the Kurdish language. Uh, it claims that it's a Turkish dialect that's spoken there. Um, they changed the name in August twenty twenty one of a seventeenth century mosque uh, from the uh, words translating from the Turkish to the Kurds mosque, and they call it the Turks Mosque uh, in twenty twenty three. Turkey dropped its objection, um, so objection is an effective veto, right, to Finland and Sweden joining NATO uh, when the latter pledged to devote more attention to the PKK and effectively end its decades-old tradition of giving protection and asylum to Kurdish refugees. So, if people aren't familiar, Sweden has been a country that's offered asylum to a lot of a lot of different groups of people. Uh, Like I have a lot of friends from various stories I've done all over the world who have ended up uh, living in Sweden and. Uh, Kurd- Kurdish people are among those people, right, who have found a home and a safe place in Sweden. So, encouraging Sweden to not do that gives people one less safe place to go, right? Yeah. Um, and it, yeah. this was kind of Turkey's like cost of entry for those people into NATO. Now, obviously, there's a reason that Sweden and uh, Finland want to join NATO, right? And that's that Russia is like right there and mm-hmm. has been doing some invasion recently, Um, and and so they want that as kind of mutual aid, that mutual defence, and so they're being forced to give up this very reasonable policy of offering people asylum. Hi everyone, it's me, James, and I am back uh, after what I hope was a fruitful and enjoyable advertising break for you. Uh, It is just me, and the reason for that is that someone outside is currently severing my telephone cable, judging by what I can hear and the fact that I no longer have the internet. So the second part of this episode will be me reading my script by myself without um, the interesting and often entertaining... Input of my colleagues, so sorry about that, but you will just have to make do. Turkey's been involved in a Syrian civil war since the beginning. Initially, it armed and equipped the anti-Assad FSA, but in August 2016, it began a direct occupation of parts of northern Syria under Operation Euphrates Shield. In 2017, it facilitated the establishment of the Syrian National Army and the Syrian Interim Government, which it finances. Turkey has accused the Syrian democratic forces, to which the YPG and YPJ belong, of, quote, seizing and ethnically cleansing territories which don't belong to Kurds. There isn't really any credible evidence for this, and the UN has refuted these claims. Some people have, have moved, right, like, as happens in many conflicts, but uh, the estimate I saw was like 25 families. Erdogan has openly expressed a sentiment that Kurdish people don't belong in north and east Syria, saying... These areas are not suitable for the lifestyle of Kurds because these areas are virtually desert deportations of Syrians who have been uh, who have sought refuge in Turkey right so people from Syria who have fled the civil war about uh, three and just over three and a half million people are living in Turkey right um, Turkey has declared its intention to move one million of these people back to Syria and it has already begun moving these people back to Northwest Syria in the, in the areas it occupies right uh the u.s state department in a press conference on the 4th of august denied that this constituted a demographic change uh, but i think that that's very heavily disputed by people on the ground certainly the ypj and the ypg would dispute that right that, that the um the kurdish people who have been driven out of some of the areas that turkey occupies are, are being replaced by these people that are being moved back in by turkey turkey was of course the entry point for much of the weaponry and many of the people who joined ISIS in Syria. Foreign policy, the publication, has estimated that more than 30,000 people crossed Turkey along the so-called jihadi highway. Um, Later, Turkey clamped down on this a bit, um, but certainly in my coverage of the smuggling of weapons and equipment to ISIS, uh, they were going through Turkey. Uh, Turkey was also directly Engage with the defeat of ISIS, right? Turkey's troops for ISIS um, in parts of northern Syria. Meanwhile, Turkey has also enforced an economic blockade of the autonomous area of northeast Syria, and it's even restricted water flowing into the region, right? So so at some point, weapons and humans have flowed flown through Turkey to ISIS, and at this point, water is not flowing in sufficient quantities through Turkey to the autonomous area of northeast Syria. And in 2018, Turkey started what's called Operation Olive Branch. It's a military operation in which Turkish and Syrian national army forces took control of the city of Afrin. The assault included the alleged use of chemical gas, shelling of civilian areas and shooting of fleeing refugees. Kurdish shrines, flags, cultural and historical sites were targeted and destroyed by Turkish military forces. A hospital was bombed. Reporters Without Borders noted that reporting on the conflict had been handstrung by the Turkish government more than 30,000 Kurdish people have been displaced and their homes have been taken by those relocated refugees who we spoke about. Olive farms in the area have been seized and then leased to fund the operation of the pro-Turkish Syrian National Army. The Syrian Observatory for Human Rights has documented these forces threatening to behead Kurds, and The Independent, that's the newspaper, has noted that some of the people fighting alongside the SNA are themselves former cadres of ISIS. Uh, in its reporting, The Independent reported that, and I quote, video posted online shows three uniformed jihadis singing a song in praise of their past battles. And it says, quote, how we were steadfast in Grozny, that's in Chechnya, Dagestan, and, and we took the Tora Bora. Um, the Tora Bora is a cave complex, formerly the headquarters of Osama bin Laden. Uh, and now Afrin is calling to us. There's the song they were singing, right? Um... That's suggesting that they're they're sort of a fight, they're casting this in in a long line of of these battles that that have been fought um, by these various, I guess, Islamist groups. Um, Just to be super clear on Islamist versus Islamic, because I don't want people to confuse the two things. uh, One is a political outlook, right? Being an Islamist is a political uh, outlook, and it it focuses on, uh, it uses uh, an interpretation of Islam, which is certainly not the mainstream one. Uh it's not my place to say whether or not it's it's a correct one, but it's certainly not the one that most Muslims in the world agree with. And it's it's the interpretation of that faith that you'll have seen uh, with groups like ISIS and Al-Qaeda, right? Um, but that, that, that is not to say by any means that all Muslim people agree with this because they don't. There are Muslim people, many thousands, hundreds of thousands of them who have been targeted, killed by these people, right? I um, just wanted to be super clear on that distinction. The Syrian Observatory for Human Rights has also noted members of the Turkish fascist group the Grey Walls fighting alongside the SNA. Um, so standing in the United States, it's easy to see this Turkish operation as a consequence of Trump's choice to abandon the SDF and the people who defeated ISIS. And to a large degree it is, but it also represents a long-term goal of Erdogan's Turkey which has tried without success to get support for its plans to build a buffer zone 30 kilometers deep along its border with Syria and to fill that buffer zone with Syrian refugees who increasingly end up in Turkey. In particular, Turkey has objected to plans by the United States to train and equip a 30,000 person strong border force. Uh, This went through several different naming iterations. It doesn't really matter. It's a border force, right? Um, Before the attack, Russian military officials propose handing over Afrin to Assad as a compromise. So we haven't talked about Russia much. Robert talks about this in his series. uh, But Russia is in Syria as an ally of the Assad regime. Um, And uh, it has sort of acted as a go-between between uh, between the SDF and the Assad regime. And it has proposed in this instance right, that, um, that the SDF withdraw from Afrin, which is the 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 area that Turkey invaded in Operation Olive Branch in 2018. And it said, if you guys pull out and you hand us over to Assad, the Turks won't invade. They won't directly take on Assad like that. The SDF refused, right? The authorities are in a very tense relationship with Damascus, which is where Bashar al-Assad's government is based, right? Uh, They've both received aid from them and been attacked by them. Uh, After they were abandoned by the US and Russia... And they knew that Turkey, Russia, Russia was aware that Turkey had plans to invade, right? And obviously didn't do anything to stop it. And so they, these SDF felt that they were abandoned by the US and Russia with very, very good reason to feel that way. The ANES scrambled to find new allies to protect them, and they found one in the Assad government. Uh, this, this wasn't like I don't think a choice that they wanted to make, uh, but I think the rest of the world didn't leave them with many options. So uh, I'm quoting here from. Masluma Bidi, the SDF's commander-in-chief, uh, he wrote an op-ed in Foreign Policy. It'll, it'll be linked in our sources at the end of the month. If we have to choose between compromise and genocide, we will choose our people, he said. Numerous fighters who fought ISIS and foreign volunteers have died in Afrin. So in, in that initial operation, right, um, when the SDF opposed Turkish invasion, numerous people died. Uh, one of them was a Briton named Amak. Anna Campbell, Uh, she went by Helene Kerakogs. I might have fucked that pronunciation up, but uh, it might tend to be disrespectful if I have. She was killed by Turkish Michelle Nefrin. Her father, Dirk Campbell, has been campaigning ever since to have his daughter's remains returned. His case remains with the courts and has been entirely crowdfunded. Uh, He submitted a claim to the European Court of Human Rights after hearing nothing from the Turkish courts. And when he did that, the Turkish courts picked up the case that he'd submitted there. You can also find a link to this in the sources, but it's crowdjustice.com slash case slash help hyphen bring hyphen Anna hyphen home. They've raised all the money they need uh, at the moment, but uh, doubtless they will need more in the future. So where does all this leave the people of North and East Syria? Right, These are people who have been impacted by the uh like a territorial caliphate of the islamic state and all the horrific things that people will be aware happened there they're people who have successfully fought for and achieved their freedom only to be attacked by another state and they are people who have suffered the same earthquake that turkey suffered in february of this year 2023 three. Four thousand people died in afrin right which is a city which is now occupied by turkish and sna troops and Turkey pushed a little bit further east uh, in Operation quote, unquote, Peace Spring, a year after Olive Branch. And currently, uh, Turkey is cutting water flow to pumping stations it controls that feed water to the area. This combines with the impact of the earthquake and the ongoing burden of controlling one of the largest prisons on earth, which is the Al-Hol prison, which holds the majority of the ISIS fighters and their families who were not either killed or killed or returned to the states from which they came. And we'll have more on the al hol prison next week. Uh, There's infighting between militias in the Turkish areas, which obviously impact Turkish controlled areas. Obviously that impacts civilians. There's arbitrary arrests. There's the increasing Turkification of areas like Afrin, right? Including instruction in the Turkish language. Um, Like Shireen said earlier, it's one of the things that's integral to maintaining national identity is education, right? Um, In my experience, studying Catalan identity, getting education in Catalan was vital to fermenting and continuing Catalan identity. Um, Kurdish identity is not national in the same way. Uh, The the identity in the AANES, I guess, is not national. But this uh, Turkification, right, the flying of Turkish flags above buildings which are not military buildings, right, like above hospitals and that kind of thing, again, is a a marginalisation of the people who already live there and who have lived there for a long time. Uh, SDF guerrilla units like Wrath of Olives and Free Liberation Front are involved in fighting with the Syrian National Army. And that fighting kills civilians, right? and um, Throughout Afrin, there have been things like car bombs. Um, the Free Liberation Front uh, goes by HRE from the Kurdish initials, right? And, and they've carried out some attacks on SNA militias in, in the last few days. Uh, you can often see videos of those online, if that's the sort of thing you like to see. There are still landmines that kill civilians in the area and there are still ISIS sleeper cells bombing and killing people. Um, Last week, the Autonomous Administration of North and East Syria responded to Turkey's ongoing aggression by issuing a statement claiming Turkey's operations are forcing the SDF to divert personnel away from countering ISIS and threatening the stability of the area. Obviously, this is all after an earthquake which killed 4,000 people in Afrin. Um, People that have access to as many hospitals there, for instance, lots of them still have to travel to Turkey to get cancer treatment, right? And so this leaves the people uh, of North and East Syria in a very precarious situation, right? In which there are, um, they're now left largely without the solidarity that they experienced when they were fighting ISIS, right? And, and it's very difficult, just like in so many cases, uh, like I feel this way about Myanmar too, to see. The us and europe expressing solidarity and solidarity in the form of lethal aid right solidarity in the form of surface-to-air missiles and tanks and rifles and bulletproof vests and medical aid and all the things that you need to sustain a fight to to ukraine and they should they should do that i'm not saying for a moment that they shouldn't right ukraine has been invaded by a much bigger and more powerful military and it has every right to defend itself and i'm glad that we're helping uh but but i wish that we would help other people too especially people who Uh, we have sort of made promises to that we've not kept or people who we've encouraged to believe um, in the case of Myanmar right, that they have a right to to a better life and then when they decide to defend that we don't stand behind them Uh so yeah that's my episode Um, sorry for the weird uh, juxtaposition of me doing the last part scripted but uh, somebody outside is drilling through my phone cable so yeah thank you for joining me
6: Made for women by women.